is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. So you join us this morning midway through our journey through the Gospel of Mark. And uh, this is Mark writing down Peter's account of what it was like to be with Jesus. What it was like to be up close and see what Jesus was doing. And uh, when we were looking for a date for some baby dedications, this seemed like a good passage to pick, which is why we've, uh, we, we picked today. And we'll, you'll see that uh, in a moment. But we are going at quite a pace through the Gospel of Mark. We want to land Resurrection Sunday on Easter Sunday, which is the 9th of April. It happens to be my birthday, just so, so you know. Uh, which is exciting. So we're going to land that account that Mark tells us about on Easter Sunday. So if you are thinking, where should I go to church on Easter Sunday? Where could you celebrate somebody's birthday on Easter Sunday? Then uh, we would love you to join us uh, on Easter Sunday because we'll be that bit in the Gospel of Mark, celebrating the resurrection of Jesus and talking all about that. And uh, Sandeep, wherever he's gone, will be, will be speaking on that morning. But this morning, we're going to look at Mark chapter 9. So uh, if you've got a Bible with you, if you've got one on your phone, then you're going to find Mark chapter 9. We're going to read some verses together. 25 years ago, I didn't need to do this with my glasses before I read the passage. Now I need to work out exactly how to hold it. We're going to pick it up at verse 30. Mark chapter 9, verse 30. They left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant, and they were afraid to ask him about it. They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet, because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. He took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us. And Lord, as we spend these moments looking at it together, we pray that you would speak to us. Would you encourage us? Would you challenge us? Would your word come alive to us? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, so what is it then about welcoming children? Why is this important to Jesus? Why is it something that he makes a point of doing here. Well, I don't want to steal Adam's thunder from next time because he may talk about that uh, as well. But Because it, it's something that Mark comes back to in the next chapter. 
You can see Adam looking slightly nervous now, thinking, is he going to steal all my best bits? The answer to that question is, probably. <laughs> Tom Wright points out that children were not rated highly in the ancient world. They had no status or prestige. So why was Jesus taking a child to, to make his point? And what was the point? Well, the context that we're told here was that the disciples had been arguing. On the journey, they'd been arguing about who was the greatest. Now, who was the most important disciple amongst the followers of Jesus? Who was it that was top dog? You know, who was number one in the ranking order of followers of Jesus? And they'd clearly been arguing about this. Maybe Peter had been boasting that it was going to be him. That, you know, he was the one on whom Jesus was going to build his church. And, you know, it was, he was the most important. Maybe the others had been trying to put Peter in his place. Perhaps John had suggested that he and James should really be up there at number one ahead of the others. We don't know the details. We do know clearly they'd been arguing about it and Jesus knew. And when you get Jesus asking them, what was it you're arguing about? It's not because he didn't know. <laughs> he wants to give them a chance to, to tell him. So what better way of illustrating the point that they'd got it wrong that it's not about position or status in the kingdom of God? What better way of making his point than taking somebody who didn't have position and status in the world's eyes, a, a little child? And Jesus doesn't just hold the child at arm's length, just refer to them maybe, but he takes them in his arms. He welcomes them. He takes somebody who'd got no rights, no status, position, authority or privilege, and he welcomes them in, holds them close. And Jesus goes on to say that whoever welcomes one like that welcomes him and the one who sent him. So Jesus, yet again, is turning things on their head. Have you noticed that through the Gospels? Even just a quick reading of the Gospel, and Mark's a good one to read if you're thinking, where do you start? You'll find Jesus turning things on his head, time, on, the, on their head, time and time again. Jesus is giving status and recognition to children, just like he does to other groups of people that Jewish society would look down on. Maybe see perhaps less important than others. I mean, you know, Jesus spoke to the outcast, didn't he? He went to the leper, one that was shunned away from society, who was, they would have said, unclean and not afraid to be with them. He spoke to people and cared about people and had a somewhat questionable lifestyle. He even had a tax collector as part of his inner circle. Jesus welcomed those who other people would have shunned. And you know what? He's still doing that today. 
mean, those of you who are with us this morning who know and follow Jesus, you think, I often think, how did I get in on this? Why did Jesus welcome me? Why did he welcome some of you? Actually, he welcomes all of us, doesn't he? And delights to do that. But, you know, I don't want us to miss verse, verse 35. Let me read it to you again. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and servant of all. He echoes what Matthew records to us uh, in Matthew 20 when Jesus is teaching and he's using a parable, a story in this instant. And he ends with it in Matthew 20, verse 16. He says this, So the last will be first and the first will be last. And so again, Jesus is turning things on their head. That which would have seemed to be normal in society, Jesus turns completely upside down. So it begs the question, what then is greatness in God's kingdom? How do you get to be great in God's kingdom, in his eyes? Well, it's pretty easy. It's about being lost. It's about being a servant. About putting others ahead of you. The passage in Mark 9 is is not dissimilar to an account in, in in Mark 10 where James and John come to Jesus and they ask him to make them number one in his kingdom. And it's like they haven't really got it. They haven't really understood. They've missed the point yet again. And Jesus responds to them like this. He says, Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them? Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man, that's Jesus talking about himself, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So if there was ever anybody who you think, yeah, they deserve that position of greatness, they deserve to be served by others, it would be Jesus, the Son of God, wouldn't it? But what does he say? The Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So how do you achieve greatness then in the kingdom of God? In God's sight, how do you get to be great? I I guess many of us, if not all of us, want to do something significant with our lives, don't we? We want our life to count. We want to make a difference. We want to do something worthwhile with the life that God has given us. Well, the model that we see around us is very different to the model that Jesus gives Jesus turns things upside down. And if we want our lives to count in his sight, it's about serving others. It's about putting other people first. I mean, those who were around Jesus at the time, the Jewish people, they expected their Messiah, they expected Jesus to be a sort of political saviour, to overthrow the Romans. 
That's what they were hoping for. That's what they were looking for. That's not what Jesus came to do. He came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So in the few moments we've got remaining, let me give you three areas that I think the Bible talks about in this area of serving. Serving one another, serving in his community, the church, and serving in the wider community that God has placed us in. Serving one another is a, is a reflection, if you like, an expression of loving one another. And God calls us to love one another. After loving God, it's pretty much the most important thing that we're commanded to do. Number one, love God. Number two, love one another. A new command I give you, Jesus said in John 13, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. The Bible has lots to say using this phrase, one another. And if you were to do a study on the phrase, you would find references in the Bible to honouring one another, being devoted to one another, not judging one another, greeting one another, serving one another, bearing with one another, being kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, encouraging one another, and so the list goes on. Do you get the idea? Do you get the theme here? And probably that could all be summed up by that phrase, love one another. And it's exactly what Jesus commands us to do. By loving one another, we serve one another. By putting other people's needs ahead of our own, it demonstrates something to them. Jesus said in it, by this, people will know that you're my disciples. If you love one another. If you really love one another. So the question for us this morning is how do we do that? How do you do it practically? What does it look like to love one another? What does it mean? What do you have to do to express it? Well, it means you look for ways to be practical in that. Yes, it's something you say, but more, it's something you do. Something you put into practice. It's something active. So are you looking for ways to love one another? Are you looking for ways to serve, to, to bless, to encourage? I want to think about that this week. What are, what are some ways where you could practically love one another? What could you do to express it to those around you? How can you help? How can you serve? How can you love? Because you do that, as you do that, you're achieving greatness in God's kingdom putting other people ahead of yourself, serving one another. Another area of serving, I think, for, for those of us who are part of the church community, is serving in the church. Because God has given each of us gifts. Each of you has different gifts or abilities, talents, passions that God has put in you. 
They're from him to be nurtured by you and encouraged and strengthened, but used in his kingdom and in his church. Those of you who are part of a church, be it here or somewhere else, you will know that church life only works because each member plays their part. Each of us serve, each of us give our time, our ability, our talents, our passions and interests in serving one another. As we do that, we find that church life happens because God gives his church what is needed. And that's people. People with different interests and skills and abilities. You might think, why have I got this interest? Why have I got that skill or that, that desire to be involved in a certain thing? It's because God has put it in you. And he wants to see you use it and flourish in it for the benefit of others and the glory of his name. And as you use the passion and gift and skill that God has given you, you'll find that God builds you together. Paul puts it like this in Ephesians 2, and in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. He is at work. So let me ask you, what gifts has God given you? What passions or abilities, skills, has he put in your heart that you can use for his name, his glory in his church? It might be something very visible, like we've seen a few of those on stage this morning, or it might be seemingly invisible behind the scenes to make things work. All are needed. All are important. The Bible gives the illustration, doesn't it, about a body. And actually, for a body to work well, it needs all its different parts to function correctly. Some are visible, some are not visible. Some have different roles, and that's okay. And just like a human body works like that, God wants his church to work like that as well. And you get to be part of it. Whether you've been part of it for years, or whether you're just looking in thinking, oh, I think I might like to be part of this. Let me tell you, God has given you a gift, a skill, an ability that he wants to use, he wants you to use in his church. But finally... The third area of serving is in the wider community. We've referred to this already as Fiona talks about Love Derby because that's the way that we put some of that into practice. It's not the only way, but it's one way that we put into practice a call to serve the community that God has put us in. He's called us to make a difference where we live. Wherever it is that God has planted you, be it in this city or somewhere else, he wants you to make a difference for his kingdom. So like I said, Love Derby is one of our expressions of that where proactively, several times a year, we say we're not going to gather here, we're going to gather out there and look for ways in which we can be a blessing to love and to serve and to bring hope and comfort and the love of God to people. Yes, God has given us a global vision, hence talking about Cambodia this morning and recently talking about a church plant in Chemnitz in eastern Germany and some other places as well. God has given us a global vision, but he's rooted us somewhere. And he's rooted us here in the city. 
here to make a difference and be a blessing here. And right now, friends, we have many opportunities to do just that. Yes, Fiona listed four of them out for us this morning that we're going to be involved with next weekend. But right now, there are many opportunities, many ways in which we can serve and love and bless. I mean, great to hear Matt and Lou talking about what the church plant in Burton is doing, looking for ways to serve their community, hug a mug, <laughs> and others as well. Oh, no, are we looking for ways that we can serve and love and bless? You know, in the current economic climate, there are many in our city who are not just inconvenienced by things, but actually for them, the tide of recent events hasn't just been difficult, it's been catastrophic. So are we looking to serve and to love and to, to bless there? And again, we can sometimes think well, it's all about ways in which the church organised something for us to do. And there is some truth in that. There is part of it that, that we'll organise some things to, to be involved with together. But actually, the call on us is not just to be involved in the organised corporate thing. There's an individual response as well. What is it that God's saying to you about those around you? Maybe your next door neighbours. Maybe those you work with. Maybe those you spend your leisure time with. How can you serve some of these people? What can you do to be a blessing? What did Jesus say? Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and servant of all. God calls us to give our lives away serving others loving others in order to be a demonstration of his love and his goodness and his grace. As some people call it, an upside down kingdom is what Jesus' kingdom is. It's not what most people expect. It's not how most people live. But if you can welcome the least important the most vulnerable, then you can be first in God's kingdom as you are a servant of others. And it doesn't sound easy, does it? If you think it's easy, then you've probably missed it and maybe I haven't explained it well. <laughs> it's not easy. But remember, we can do it because God enables us to do it through the strength that he gives as we put our trust in him and follow Jesus, he gives us strength and power to live in a way that honours him through his Holy Spirit. He gives you the way in which you can live in this countercultural way. And his faith in Jesus is the starting point in that and becoming a follower of him that enables you to do it. And actually it's putting your faith and trust in him and following him that restores your relationship with God that which actually you were made for that you were created for and if this morning you're looking in thinking well I, I, what is it that these guys have got what is it that gets them up early on a Sunday morning to, to meet in a cinema and sing some songs and look at this book that 
they seem to revere. It's a relationship with God himself. It's a changed life and a life of hope and forgiveness that God gives. So I want to encourage you this morning. Wherever you're at in your journey of looking at or following Jesus, God encourages you this week to make some steps. Maybe that's some steps to find out more, to talk to someone that invited you and go, just tell me a little bit more about what you believe and why that's important to you. Or for those of you already on that journey, to be asking the Lord this week, Lord, who can I serve? Who can I bless? Who can I encourage? How can I make a difference? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your words. We thank you, Lord, for this way that you challenge us to live. And we pray that you would help us in it. God, we pray that we would live in a way that honours you, puts others' others' needs ahead of our own. Help us live in a way that serves and loves one another and in so doing demonstrates what it means to follow you and having received your love to look to give it away. So help us with it, Lord. We, We pray that next Sunday as we seek to be a blessing to our city, that, God, we would be able to bring the love and the goodness of God to many. As we look to practically serve and practically bless, we pray, God, it will be a demonstration of your love and your goodness. And there will be many who see it and many who want to find out more. And we pray for each of us this week that, God, we would grow in our relationship with you, whether that's just asking questions for the first time, or looking for new and fresh ways to serve and love others. We pray, God, it will be a week where you are at work in our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at 